Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Deep Water Podcast, where we're learning to follow Jesus to deep waters, learning to make disciples like Jesus made disciples. So let's face it, it has been a while. I don't think I have sent you guys out a podcast since about June. So since then, uh, we have moved to Oklahoma City area, and it's been a rough transition. Uh, we worked a job when I got here. I uh, managed a cell phone repair store for a friend of mine, and I'm grateful for that job. Uh, that's kind of ended, and I'm grateful for that too. Uh, it was it uh, wore me slick, wore me slick. Anyway, um, I was looking forward to getting back on line with you guys again, and just wanted to touch base. Uh, I had this thought the other day. And I wasn't really sure how to flesh it out, but I knew I wanted to talk about it. So hopefully I can talk about it in a way uh, that communicates what I want, uh, doesn't make you feel sorry for me, which, you know, there's a little danger of that, um, but that can connect something that I think is really true. And and the thought is this, uh, everybody that joins the military as far as I know, even if you're the most, you're going to be the person the farthest back from the front lines imaginable. I believe every person that joins the military thinks about and weighs this cost of making the ultimate sacrifice. Like, will I, will I have to die for my country? Am I ready to die for my country? Uh, weighing some probabilities. Okay, if I take this job, what are my odds of having to die for my country? You know, and they all consider that uh, price. And certainly if you're in combat arms, if you're in infantry or armor or artillery or anything where you're up on the front lines, you know, you're definitely thinking about those things. And we all consider those, but very few, very few ever consider uh, the cost of a life with PTSD or the cost of living a life without your right arm, or the cost of all these different ways that you can get hurt or mangled. You don't make that ultimate sacrifice for your country, um, but there is a sacrifice, and some of those sacrifices, you know, if you if you die for your country, uh, you get a highway named after you, your friends remember you on Facebook, every year at the anniversary of your death, people think about you, and, and I'm glad they do. You know, it's, it's kind of a... If you're going to sacrifice, it's a it's a kind of a it's a more glorious way to do it. Um, or when I was kind of hashing this out with Dave, he said, "I hate to say it, but almost like a more uh, uh, it's a more romantic sacrifice, if you will. Uh, you get some glory out of that. But a life of PTSD afterwards, you don't get a lot of glory for that. Um, and our, our military has come a lot farther, and we have a lot more understanding of those kind of things. But but there's sacrifices that sometimes uh, take far longer to pay out, uh, and, and you're writing. Some people say you write a blank check to Uncle Sam when you join the army, um, but sometimes Uncle Sam cashes that out over the rest of your life. And the analogy, the analogy I had was this, and this is why I thought it was important. It's a lot true uh, with missions. Um, people prepare for all the hard things they may go through. Uh, when they get to the field, you know, there there's the ultimate sacrifice. They might they might die for their faith, and uh, there are missionaries who do that more often than I would like to think about. Maybe not, maybe not the same amount as it was when uh, they packed in their coffins back in the way 1800s, 1800s, and they went to the mission field, uh, thinking, "Yep, I'm probably going to die there." But they still they they die for it. 
Um, people think about uh, the distance from family. They think about the struggles of learning a new language. They think about um, the challenges of living in a country where you're not allowed to be a missionary. And they think about all of those things. And they think about raising their kids over there and, and all those things. But uh, not as many think about uh, the cost upon your return. And there are costs, you know, you, uh, a lot of times the skills that you learned overseas are, are not particularly valued when you return, both inside and outside the church. People pat you on the back, but it doesn't, doesn't get you in the door or doesn't get you hired for a job interview. Um, you're behind all your peers. Uh, people have moved on, they're successful, they're buying their their uh, house they're going to be in the next 20 years and you're trying to make ends meet. Um, You have a loss of identity. Uh, Before uh, you were a missionary, you were this person who was sacrificing. You were doing things for God. Now you're just another Joe Blow. Uh, And this is true true also of people who are former pastors. Uh, It may not be all of them. Uh, but they can deal with this as well, this identity. It probably probably means there's some stuff that maybe wasn't healthy about that identity. But nevertheless, uh, it is an identity. And it does hurt when you lose it, and it can, uh, it can send you into a tailspin. You, you miss the purposefulness of life. I remember uh, when I'd been overseas, I had a dentist come out, and uh, he'd come up and helped us a time or two. And somewhere later, I I wrote him a, a message multiple years later, and he said, you know, enjoy that. Enjoy that while you're there, because someday you may be back just leading the ordinary American life. And I remember thinking at the time, like, not me, man. I'm in this for the long haul. And here I am back in America, more or less leading the ordinary American life. And in a lot of ways, I wish I wasn't doing that. I wish I was uh, back where... Where I came from, but then one of the other big costs is it's the cost of change. And uh, as Dave made this really great analogy, and I think you'll be familiar with it. But basically, you know, if you if you're fans of J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, if you remember, they go on this adventure. They leave the Shire. They leave this place that they've, they've never been before. They go through life and death situations. They fight great enemies. They see things that people in the Shire have never imagined before. Um, and then they come back and there's a scene at the end where they're kind of sitting around all drinking a pint of ale. And the people around them basically don't know that Frodo and his friends have saved the whole Middle Earth. And ultimately, you know, uh, Frodo has this wound where he got stabbed by a mortar blade that, that basically never fully recovers. And eventually he goes goes and lives in the land of the elves and his other friends come back, come back in the Shire, but they've all been changed. And for people that go overseas, uh, they're changed too. And it, it's a lot of different ways. And there's a, there's a cost again when you come back. Uh, you're no longer an American no longer a part of your culture. Um, you've went and you've joined and you've integrated as best you can into another culture. Now, the real ir- irony is you're also not a part of that culture either. 
you know, you're an outsider there. But then when you come back, what you do is you find out that you're an outsider here as well. Uh, and you're a closer outsider. You look like you're an insider, but you just think differently. Things are different. You value things differently. It changes you. And that's not always bad, uh, but it is a cost that you have to pay, that you have to weigh. Um, sometimes for me, it's, it's getting better now, but especially when we first came back, uh, it's, it's the cost of your children not having any clue what other people are talking about or not knowing not knowing what people are talking about. Uh, one of my daughters, I think had to, it was a speech evaluation, speech, uh, seeing if she needed speech therapy, and one of the pictures she had to identify was a vacuum. And she had no idea what it was, and it wasn't because she didn't couldn't know that word or say it, it's just because she'd never seen a vacuum before, or she had... I mean, she was real little. We didn't. People don't use vacuums there. They use they use a broom and a mop and just different things. And that's a that's a mild example. But there's those changes, and you have changed, and you kind of got to make life life go on. Um, and thinking of all this, I don't say it so that you'll feel sorry for me. Um, but I wanted to just share, hopefully hopefully honestly about it. Um, there's a couple of scriptures that come to mind to weigh in consideration of those things. And one is Luke 9.23. says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. So there's a thing that, I mean... I don't know that God has called us to, yeah, pick up your cross. Uh, I haven't. The things I have picked up have not been as strong as a cross yet. And and part of this, I want to, f- one more thing. Uh, when we talk about change and you use the analogy of, of Frodo and you've went and done things, you know, part of the challenge of having been overseas is that uh, not everybody returns having slain the dragon or destroyed the ring. You know, people come back in different shapes, and sometimes you have had great things happen, and you have seen the Lord do really great things, and you have these great stories. And other times you feel like you just got pummeled while you were over there. Or you you look at your years and you say, did I accomplish anything? Was a sacrifice there for anything? Um so when people come back, they have been changed, but it's not always, they don't always come back with these great victories. Um, and a lot more, a lot of, a lot of uh, life overseas is monotonous and dull. And it's, uh, it, it doesn't always feel this super great purposeful thing. It's not like every second of the day you were getting to do great things or that people were coming to faith. Like, it's a lot of hard times there. And so then when you come back, you're also weighing that, like, like did I accomplish anything? And so like with the, the hobbits, they come back to the Shire and they are changed, but they also know like, hey, hey, we did this things. Sometimes for missionaries, you come back and you know you've been and seen different things. And the thing may be like, was it worth it? Like, did I accomplish anything? Was the sacrifice... Did it do anything for the kingdom of God? Which is another, you know, another challenge. The other uh, passage I wanted to consider in, in regards to this thought is Luke 14, starting in verse 28. It 
says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays a foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So all of this, I want to say number one uh, for all of us is that we have to count the cost. And no matter what the cost is, and sometimes even the cost that you can't count or you're not smart enough to count, uh, like the soldier that doesn't consider that he might spend the rest of his life with PTSD or the missionary who doesn't consider what it may be like when he comes back. Uh, whatever those costs are, you may not you may not know them. We try to count the cost, but whatever that cost is, we have to know that Jesus is absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Things you can do. Uh, one, you could pray for us. Uh, we could always use some prayers. Um, I think we've had a combination of like having come back to America hitting 40 and maybe a little midlife crisis uh, combined with some other things. It's, it's been a very hard couple of years. Um, the other day, some friends of ours, uh, new, newer friends, said something like, oh, it's, it's pro- maybe this is a time of rest. And I inwardly, I was like, oh, no, it, is, it has been anything but rest. And from the outside, I'd look and say, well, it, it should be restful. I don't know why it isn't but it hasn't. And, you know, we're tired of giving the same old answer. I still don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, I don't really know what we're supposed to do next. You know, you get tired of giving that answer, but it is where we are. So we could use your prayers. The other thing that you can do, uh, when when missionaries return from the field, uh, I hope in the light of this, maybe it would just give you a little bit more light uh, into, into what they are. And, I can't give you exactly what they need because it seems like everybody is different. But I've known enough people that have come back that I can say they tend to fall in different groups. A lot of it, what they need is a is a good friend, um, and through the friendship, you understand more what they need. But some thoughts: uh, one, sometimes what they need is to be cared for and to find some rest. Sometimes that's what they need. Sometimes what they really need is to be valued and utilized. Um, sometimes at different times, even when we've just, you know, been home for a shorter time, you know, like you still have fire in your belly, you still still want to do things, and it's kind of like no one wants to be no one wants to be put on the sidelines when they've been playing and they're still able to play. And so sometimes valuing them and utilizing them can be very very useful and life giving to them. And sometimes uh, just being very gracious. Uh, when we come back, we come back with different experiences, different sights. Sometimes we don't always uh, communicate that real well. Sometimes uh, we come back very critical of the American church. Um, and sometimes that criticism is well-deserved. Um, but be gracious with us. We try to try to remember to be gracious ourselves. But 
you know, cut us a little slack. And that doesn't mean you can't pull us aside and be like, man, that, that really seemed harsh. One of the things I'm very thankful for is my friend Dave, and uh, we've got a friendship that I can flesh out a lot of things. Sometimes things are a little bit harsh or frustrating or vent, and he can call me on the things, but also also listen and appreciate the perspective and maybe share some other thoughts. And the last thing we can do is let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So wherever you are in your uh, walk and journey, uh, I hope that you will do that. hope that I will do that. And hopefully I'll get a little bit more of these podcasts back out again. Hope you have a great day and go and make disciples of all nations.